Hi guys, welcome to episode 8 of Two Blondes and a Brunette, presented by the Griffcast. I'm Steph Wetzel, I'm here with Abby Wojcik, Nolan Hopkins, and our guest, Dan Higgins. Today we're going to be talking about Dan's experience as a journalist, how he got into teaching, and any advice he has for college students. How is everyone today? Fantastic. Doing great. Hello. Thanks for being here. Glad to be here. I yeah, I you. used to be kind of a brunette. Now I'm kind of like <laughs> a, it's more flesh tone on top and getting, yeah. getting white on the sides. So, <laughs> um, One thing uh, I just want to say, so uh, the weather sucks and the weather has been sucking just to bring that up. But today it was really cool. So because it, it, it snowed so much yesterday and then it like rained and froze and stuff like that, there's actually like a thin sheet of ice over all the snow. So when I was walking here, it was like really just satisfying just walking on the ice. That was some good, crushing. there was some good crust. Yeah, it was very, it was very good today. And cleaning off my car, it was just, oh, I just yeah. wanted to say that. I think the snow is pretty, pretty. I like it. So. Yeah, it, it, the snow is pretty when it doesn't rain the next day, yeah. which it's been doing for this whole month, which sucks. But that's all I had to say about, that was today's <laughs> about weather the weather. Yeah, that was today's weather report. So. Um, Love it. Hey, Dan, can you maybe introduce yourself sure. a little bit and tell everybody what you do at Canisius um, and a little bit about yourself? Sure, I'd love off. to. Uh, my name's Dan Higgins. <clears throat> I'm just getting over a cold, so I'm a little hoarse today. Uh, but um, in addition to being a small horse, uh, I'm an assistant professor of journalism and communications. Uh, this is my third year at uh, Canisius. And I spent uh, the first, you know, good amount of my uh, adult working career as a journalist, uh, mostly for newspapers. Uh, I also worked in radio uh, and uh, TV uh, briefly. And uh, about 10 years or so ago, I started the very slow transition from full-time reporter and occasional college teacher to full-time college professor and occasional journalist, uh, which is where where I am today. Um, I'm from Buffalo. A lot of professors are from other places. Um, I find at Canisius, though, um, I think there's a fair few who are actually from Western New York. I, I like that. Uh, I grew up in Hamburg, and I'm a Hamburg High School class of 1993, if you can <laughs> actually imagine a year that long ago. Um, but uh, my mom still lives in Hamburg. Uh, I live out in uh, Snyder uh, with my wife and our son and our two dogs. And that, there nice. you go. That's a good overview. Yeah. And you're also the advisor to the Griffin, yeah, which is I important am, as well. Yes, I'm very proud to be the advisor to the Griffin. Uh, that's one of my favorite jobs. One of the great things about the Griffin is that uh, you guys make it pretty easy for me <laughs> to be the advisor of the Griffin. Uh, you do it all yourself um, and make me look good. So that's great. Um, but um, yeah, that's, that's what I do. Uh, recently, uh, I've been uh, talking to some of your classmates, including, I think, uh, Nolan, and I don't know about you two, but uh, being involved with The Wire as well. Yep. Right. Yep. Um, so uh, I think on paper, I'm the advisor to The Wire, though I haven't really done anything yet. Um, but, <laughs> you know, whatever you guys need for that, I'll, I'll do as well. Shout out for anyone who wants to be involved yeah, in that's The right. Wire. That's right. Yeah. Um, just to go off that, so, and speaking of The Wire and radio, <clears throat> so you mentioned, so you, you've worked in newspaper radio and TV. That's right. Of those three, which is kind of, in, what was your most favorite and most memorable kind of medium to work with? All right. Let's see. There's, hmm. right off the bat, I was going to say newspapers were the best um, because I spent the most time in newspapers. It was the most 
uh, journalism training I got was working in newspapers. Um, and, you know, there were some good times to be had. Uh, there is something about radio, though, partially because of the age I was when I was doing it. Um, my first professional radio job was when I was 20, and my job title was something crazy like news director. I had no business <laughs> having that kind of a job title, but there was just no one else around doing the news. Um, and that was kind of Wild West, you know, there are no adults in the room kind of work experience. So in that sense, it was extremely fun. Um, but over the long haul, uh, that radio job and, and a lot of professional radio jobs I had um, were unfortunately kind of a drag in terms of extremely low pay, extremely long hours, and um, <clears throat> not the easiest work environment uh, in terms of you know, businesses cutting costs and that sort of thing. In newspapers, especially when I started working for larger companies, um, I really felt like I was working for, you know, these world-class organizations, even though ones that were doing local and regional journalism. And um, uh, I, I, had a, I had a great time uh, working in newspapers. Um, TV, uh, let's just say I don't work in TV anymore. I'm leaving it at that. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. So, um, you know, you're professional journalist like kind of like started there and now you're teaching journalism mm -hmm. can you talk about like the transition that you had to made for, make for that and sure what it's like teaching sure so um we're gonna wind back actually i was thinking about this on the way over because i thought you might ask me something like this <laughs> um i was a an undergrad at suny potsdam uh go bears and um, <clears throat> in about uh, 1997 or so, I remember talking to my advisor. He was this professor uh, of um, Shakespeare, and he taught the Bible as literature, and he had, you know, white hair and tweed coat with elbow patches. The whole, he was like, you know, I, I don't know that he smoked a pipe, but it would not have surprised me in the least. <laughs> and his name was Dr. Coleman, and I liked him a lot. And uh, he said, I, I was getting near graduating, and uh he said, what do you want to do? And I said, I, I think I kind of want to be a college professor. And he said in this very professorial way, he said, uh, don't, that's a, that's a terrible idea. <laughs> don't do that. Don't do that. And I asked him, why not? Why is it a terrible idea? And this, now imagine, this was 97. So 23 years ago, he's giving me this advice. And he said, I am seeing on the horizon bad things in the job market in academia. He said, it's not going to, it's not going well. Uh, and he explained to me what that was, but basically he said that at these conferences where, um, at least in the past, I, I honestly don't know how that works today because I got my job a little differently. Um, a lot of professors get their jobs at these annual conferences that happen. So what will happen is, is that like everyone who studies literature goes to this like, you know, whatever the Comic-Con of literature, you know, scholars is, and every, everybody who's in that field will be there. So that's a good place for universities to like have interviews and dinners and, and stuff. And they do a lot of hiring there. And for years and years, decades really, if you were a PhD candidate at a good school and you went to one of these conferences, you'd leave with like a tenure track job. And that's just how it worked. Wow. Uh, and eventually, it, and so according to Dr. Coleman 23 years ago, he said he just got back from the such and such conference like maybe it's like the MLA conference. That's that's what it is actually. The MLA conference, brought to you by MLA Style or the <laughs> um, the very same people. And uh, he said, I got back from the MLA conference and something stunning happened, which is 
certain people, a certain number of people did not get job offers. And whatever it was that he noticed scared the hell out of him. And he said, this is not a good sign. This was like, this was like the canary in the coal mine. And by God, the man was correct. And what has since happened is that the academic job market got really tight. So you're asking about me. Um, what I did was um, I took this really roundabout way into the journalism field. And let me tell you what I did. I suppose that's what you wanted yeah. to hear. Um, <clears throat> so I was a music major uh, at SUNY Potsdam at the Crane School of Music. Um, I was doing terribly uh, because I was 19. I hated practicing. I hated the bassoon. Uh, I hated my classes. Uh, and I thought, what, what the hell am I doing here? Um, so um, let me see. How, how do I tell this story? So basically one day I used to be a pretty um, what's that word called when you when you just kind of make decisions without thinking about it I, the word is escaping um, me uh, <clears throat> um, impulsive impulsive yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. got it yeah nice so thank you thank you very much Steph with the word <laughs> so um, so uh, I, I was talking to this one uh, student a uh, friend of mine um, and uh, he was a grad student and uh, <laughs> I said, oh, I'm so miserable, poor me, woe is me. And he's in his practice room playing his drums and he stops like, and I'm like bothering him because he's practicing. And he, he, he goes, what, what the hell are you doing here? And I said, what do you mean? He said, no one's holding a gun to your head. He said, why are you here if you're so miserable? I don't understand it. And then he's like, leave me alone. Like, just do something about <laughs> it. So that just started, he must've just, he, he like, I, I haven't talked to this guy in, you know, 25 years, but he really pressed the first domino. And let me tell you what I did, folks. The next day, I dropped out of college. <laughs> and, uh, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> That's more than a domino. He yeah. just really <laughs> sent you over yeah. the edge. <laughs> that was like, yeah, that was, uh, yeah, that was, I, that was, I just put a grenade on everything. Um, so I really don't remember the exact series of events, but I wound up sitting on my porch of my terrible apartment and thinking, well, this apartment's not going to pay for itself, and I don't have financial aid coming in. So I opened up the Yellow Pages, and I looked under radio stations, because I, when I quit college, I had previously been the president of the college radio station. WAIH 90.3 FM, SUNY Potsdam. Thank you. Shout out. <laughs> uh, I don't even know if it still exists. Um, and uh, so I, I went through the Yellow Pages, and I called all the radio stations in the greater Potsdam, Clarkson, SLU community area and like the third one who answered the phone invited me down that minute for a job interview and I thought oh boy I'm going places so if that ever happens to you run the other way as fast as you can because there's something happening at that workplace that they're like what like you can walk and talk and feed yourself come down you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah that sounds dangerous yeah it was dangerous <laughs> it was dangerous so I go into the garage um, owned by this man named David Button and he's also happened to be the mayor of the town that we were that we were in. It was a very strange situation. And he had a radio station in his in the upper floor of his garage, a two-floor garage. And like within about two hours after I made that phone call, I was a college dropout and I was the news director at a place called Mix 96. And I hadn't told my parents any of this yet. Oh, wow. <laughs> so uh, I was a... Uh, uh, you know, knowing very little about the news, um, I kind of faked my way as into being a reporter. Um, I talked to other reporters. Um, I read what 
you know, like I read what the newspaper wrote and I just kind of copied it and changed it a little. It probably was not the most uh, uh, best practices yeah, that uh, I could think of exactly. Um, and uh, I did that for about a year and then I went back to college uh, because it was, you know, pretty grim living. Uh, and um, I got my English degree uh, because I, I basically went back to that same professor, Dr. Coleman, and I said, get me out of college as fast as possible. And he looked at my transcript and he goes, you're an English major now. I said, great, great. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so um, one thing led to another and uh, I thought, well, now I have work experience as a reporter. I guess I'm a reporter now. And I thought this will just tide me over until I could, you know, get into some Ph.D. program and become a college professor and a writer of books. But um, much to my surprise, uh, I fell in love with journalism and I started to think of myself as a journalist uh, pretty soon thereafter. Um, I was with um, my significant other at the time who got into Cornell, so uh, I followed her down to Ithaca. Uh, and that's when I got my first newspaper job at the Ithaca Journal, um, which was owned by Gannett, um, one of the biggest owners of newspapers in America at the time. And even though it was a tiny little paper, um, you know, we had these huge resources at our disposal. Like we could call someone up in Virginia and we could, you know, have access to the USA Today Research Library or an editor from USA Today could get on the phone with us and like talk us through how to do a story. Um, and so it was a really, it was almost like mini grad school. Um, and that was some of the best times I had. Everyone who worked in the newsroom was like under the age of 25. Uh, and we had a boss who was in his mid 40s who was kind of like, you know, dad. He would yell at us when we'd be stupid and you know um and, and so but i never gave up this desire to teach college um and uh so uh years later um i was in albany at the albany times union and uh i i just started asking around about teaching a class and i started teaching journalism classes at suny albany uh around that time i went to grad school because then i started to see the writing on the wall about the newspaper industry which was not great at the time um, and I got my MFA from Goucher College partially in the hopes that I could one day get a job as a college professor. Um, I finally got that degree in 2012. Um, and then by that point, you know, my life had changed. I'd moved back to Buffalo um, and uh, I was uh, remarried and I was kind of adjuncting at UB and doing some crazy, weird freelance writing assignments online. Um, and, um, you know, and that's kind of how I, you know, slowly made that transition. So finally in 2017 or so, uh, I interviewed at Canisius to be a one year, um, temporary faculty member. And after about four months, I reapplied and they hired me uh, permanently. And awesome. Yeah. Now you're here. Yeah. And are we out of time? No. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of my takeaways from that story um, is that you were an English major in undergrad, so mm -hmm. they, that's what you graduated with. And I'm an English major. Um, and something I've been thinking about a lot recently is like this really beautiful and valuable overlap between journalism and English um, with like the reading element and the writing element. I'm also a creative writing major, so like that kind of thing. And I feel like the, the overlap between English and journalism isn't like talked about a lot. Mm. And that's what like, I think like even at Canisius, you think about like the English department and the journalism department are in different buildings. Right. Like they're actually so separated. And so, I don't know, could you talk about that at yeah. all? Yeah, like, uh, I, I mean, that connection? In, in, as an English major, um, 
first of all, I think English major is, you know, one of the, it's like one of the most useful um, things to major in in college. Uh, I think uh, in the long run, it, because you can, uh, you could do pretty much anything. Yeah, it's very versatile. Yeah, exactly. Extremely so. Um, in terms of uh, how it helps you in a journalism major is definitely the writing and, and the reading. Um, you know, my best students uh, uh, tend to be also my best writers. Uh, it's not a coincidence. Um, and, um, you know, you guys among them. <laughs> and um, thanks. <laughs> uh, you know, the ability to read a text, you know, whether that is, um, you know, something from Shakespeare or whether it is, um, you know, a press release, you know, written terribly by an assistant district attorney. It's the ability to be able to read something closely and precisely and, and parse things for meaning and find meaning in things, in texts, um, that I, I think uh, is, you know, extremely important. Also, English majors, it's, when you're a journalist, it's important to know something about the world other than how to write a lead. Yeah. You know, and I think uh, an English major, that's why we, you know, a liberal arts education is valuable because it, it spreads out that base of knowledge that you have. Um, but I, I, you know, so I'm, I'm a big fan of, of the English major, especially for people who want to be journalists. But of course, you should also double major in journalism. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> so this is kind of random, but I'm genuinely curious. Do you still play any of the instruments that you played early on in college? Or do you still practice music? Uh, yes, I do not play the bassoon. Um, I used the college's bassoon um, and like a new bassoon costs like $12,000. And that was another reason why I quit because I didn't because I because my <laughs> My professor said, well, eventually you'll have to buy your own bassoon. And uh, I was like, oh, wow. Uh, <laughs> you didn't think of that. When yeah, you I really did. Uh, but uh, I, uh, I, I still have the same saxophone that I had since eighth grade that my mom bought me. Uh, and that I don't play so much. Occasionally I'll take it out because my son wants to mess around with it. Um, I do play the guitar a lot. Um, I have a uh, uh, you know electronic uh, keyboard set up in my office at home, and I try to play that occasionally. Um, I've been pretty busy the last couple of years, um, but uh, uh, it's music still a very big part of my life. Yeah. Um, I have a question. So, um, with being a professor, I'm just curious your thoughts. How much stock do you put in a student's grades, hmm. like what they actually get in your class versus you know what because if you have a student that let's say is like the editor-in-chief of the school paper you know they're very involved but they get a c in your class someone asks you hey what are they like like how are they as a student how do you kind of okay. right weigh that? right because well, i've always wanted that personally because grades are just annoying sometimes yeah <laughs> and and you know i think grades are annoying too um and that's not to say they're worthless but i also think they come out of I mean, we've been stuck with this grading system for a very long time, and there's alternative kinds of grading systems um, that try to take the real world into account a little more. Um, but it's hard to beat the convenience of A, B, C, D, and F. Um, you know, the students who are the, we're speaking hypothetically, the editor-in-chief of the paper, et cetera, <laughs> yeah, and the very, <laughs> exactly, exactly. We're not talking about Abby. Uh, you know, they tend to be my good students anyway. Um, but um, like, how do I evaluate someone as a student? Um, the students, I don't want this to sound like I give people like gold stars for effort, but like the students who show up 
and try really hard and get a B minus, um, like in a letter of recommendation situation, for example, like I would gloss over the B minus and I would talk about the students, you know, like what they bring to the table. The actual absolute value of that letter grade, I mean, there's only so much that that can tell you. Um, so I try to work with rubrics as much as I can um, and um, uh, to make it as fair as possible. Um, generally, when my students only get Fs if they don't show up at all. You know, that's like an incomplete assignment or not doing the assignment. Um, and a D is usually um, shows like, like an almost sarcastic lack of effort, you know. Yeah. Uh, and then beyond that, it's like, how close did you get to what I was asking you to do? Um, so I, I don't know. I'm skeptical of grades uh, just like the rest of us. Um, but um, I definitely, you know, this is Canisius. We talk about the whole person all the time, right? So a person is more than just what they might get on one assignment. Yeah. And my experience in your classes, which has just been like one or two, um, is that you really like valued and, and shown like acknowledgement of students who are writing for the Griffin or doing something else or you've let me use like Griffin articles as assignments that have kind of like overlapped and that's something that I've seen as a really like good way of you know like I'm, I'm doing work and I'm right. like learning something and like why can't I apply that to class so that's something I really like that you've done. Right I and I think that that thank you and I, I think that it's important that um, you be allowed to do that because it, the work that you're doing has value. And I think one thing that we need to do as faculty members is find ways for you guys to do these other valuable things while also learning stuff. Yeah. Um, and not to penalize you um, in ways that I think uh, really kind of come off as arbitrary sometimes. Um, but yeah, I, I'm glad that, that, that you get, get something out of it that way. But I don't know what, I only know how I do it. Like how, what other experiences do you have? Like what is the general feeling of how grading is done at Canisius? I don't even know. That's kind of tough for me to answer personally because you're pretty much the only journalism professor I've had <laughs> <laughs> so far. I mean, I guess other- Or in any other classes. Other classes too. I mean. I guess it's pretty similar, the professors that I've had at least are pretty similar to how, how you handle grading and that it's, I mean, yes, it's based on how well you do in the class, but it's also really based on effort. Like if a student puts in a lot of effort into a class, then, you know, you're, that's going to re be reflected in the grade that they get. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's taken, it's taken into consideration. It's not, mm -hmm. it, the effort isn't everything. Like if someone right. goes, you know, off like that, you know, uh, you know, flying off course, you have to you know, find a way to correct them. Um, but, um, but, but also you can't ignore the fact that someone has come to your office for help or they've sent you an emails or they sent you a draft and you can't ignore that in the real world, you know, we just, we call that like an, an iterative process or an edit. It's like an editing process. You know, you go back and forth with someone until you get a product that, that works, you know, that works. Yeah, uh, what's nice about uh, the journalism communications department here, at least, is that, you know, there's really never just one right answer. 
So yeah. it's, which I really like. That's why I, I'm, in, you know, with, mm. you know, writing and media and stuff like that, because I don't, I don't want to be a scientist. I don't want to like, oh, this is the only right answer there, blah, blah, blah. Like, I like when it's open-ended. And so, you know, you know, when it comes to grading, you get points for this, not for that. So it seems very fair. Um, so I don't really have any problems with it at Canisius. Um, I was just thinking more of um, kind of just the perception around grades where it's like, oh, you only got a C in that class. Like, mm -hmm. you mm -hmm. know, it just, it, and that, that hasn't really happened much in college. But I saw that a lot in high school, yeah, you know, definitely. and just getting accepted into college, you know, if you if you got a C plus and not a B in a class, that could be the difference between, um, you know, getting into a big college or not. Mm -hmm. Which which mm -hmm. that that's what I kind of find a problem with. But yeah, I mean, my experience like between high school and college is that like in high school you had so many assignments, all were worth maybe very little in terms of your like final grade for the year, whereas in college, it's like one or two essays, a final, your participation grade, and then that's your the stakes, grade. The stakes are higher. Yeah, every assignment is worth a lot more, and so that can be a lot of pressure. Um, it can but, be a lot of pressure, but also you're, I mean, hopefully at least, you're taking classes that you want to be taking, whereas in high school, you, you take what you have to take. Right. So yeah. it depends on the class, it depends on the teacher, it depends on the subject, I think. You always want students to be in a situation where they're concerned about the material and not worrying about the, you know, is did I get a 92 or a 93, yes. you know? And I don't think that happens at Canisius very no, much not, anyway. No, not too much. And I tell people sometimes, I say, you know, look, you still got an A, whether it's a 92A or a 93 and a half A. Uh, so like, you know, why don't you just take your A and go home and reflect on that you did an excellent job, Move you know? On, yeah. Exactly. So mm -hmm. how are your classes going this semester? What are you teaching? Oh, the, terrible, every one of them. Um, <laughs> they're going great. Um, so I'm teaching Com 203, which is writing for the public media. I love that class. Yeah. Sorry. Oh, just did you really? that out there. I really like that class. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad you like it. Uh, so that is all different kinds of public... Uh, public-facing writing. It's it's writing for external audiences rather than, you know, like how to write internal memos or things like that. But it's like press releases and feature stories. I changed a little. We're actually starting a unit on podcasts right now. Ooh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Nice. Uh, and so you I'm also... Bring that to this podcast, bring what, bring what you've learned? Yeah. Here. <laughs> um, but I didn't teach it that way when, when Steph took it. But... Uh, <laughs> Uh, and I appreciated the features, though. Yeah. The features writing, I, oh, okay. oh, of exactly. course, I appreciate it. You killed it. it. You totally <laughs> killed it. Uh, I'm teaching news gathering and reporting, which is Journalism 301. That's like the intro, how to go out and be a reporter class. Yeah, that's what I took a couple, yeah. couple years ago. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. And uh, what's the other one? I'm, oh, 490, which is uh, the senior project and portfolio mm -hmm. class. And that's a hybrid class, so we only meet once a week. And basically, it's... Ah, it's got about 10 students in it, all seniors, and they're all off doing their own projects. And they are designing their own projects to do, you know, they have, I think they have to do like three of them a semester. So the first one's probably due in a couple weeks. So, cool. Yeah, it's, it's a great schedule. It, I mean, folks, it's a, it's a sweet gig, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, so along with your classes that you're teaching, um, can you talk about some of the other like writing gigs you have still? Because I know you still write. Right, exactly. Um, and this is just, you know, this is the main difference between teaching uh, as an adjunct or teaching journalism at a high school uh, than uh, the difference between that and being a, a college professor, which is a professor uh, at a place like Canisius has this obligation um, to do something we call scholarship. And whether that scholarship can be like actual 
library research, um, you know, investigating uh, or, you know, some kind of scientific research. Uh, or we also have what's called creative scholarship, you know, like the DMA professors, they do a lot of creative scholarship. Uh, someone like myself, I'm, I'm in the midst of doing kind of a mix of both, mostly creative scholarship. My creative scholarship is journalism, mostly narrative uh, journalism. Um, so, um, and that, the real privilege I have is that doing journalism is part of my job at Canisius. Um, so uh, I feel insanely lucky that I get to do that. Um, so this year, uh, well, this school year, um, I uh, was, you know, I talked about it um, and you guys have, were real, you know, nice about it uh, when it came out. Uh, I published a, an essay um, in the New York Times uh, mm -hmm. in the first week of September. We talk about that uh, in a minute if you want. Uh, and then in just last month, uh, I sent a pitch to The New Yorker uh, for a story about um, a cover band who are uh, all guys from Russia, well, actually one's from the Ukraine, and they only play music by the band Chicago. <laughs> and, and they hardly speak any English, uh, and they're called Leonid and Friends. And they are selling out clubs like all over the U.S. And it's crazy. People go nuts seeing these guys. So I went down to Pittsburgh in late June uh, because I think these guys are great. And I thought this would be a really cool story. So one thing led to another. And I, I found a way to hang out with them for like two days in Pittsburgh. And I went to their concert and I was at the sound check and, you know, we ate Doritos and sandwiches together in somebody's kitchen and we went to museums together. It was it was kind of sweet, actually. Yeah. And I thought this story was going to die in my notebook, um, but things came together and I sent a pitch to The New Yorker in January and they wrote back and said this, yes, that this would make a good um, uh, feature for something called Talk of the Town, which is a, a part of every issue of The New Yorker. It's usually in the front of the magazine and it's these like loosely connected stories that are often kind of funny and have a lot of dialogue in them. And they're, they're short. They're about a thousand words. So uh, I wrote it. Um, I sent it in. And now I'm off the map here. I don't know what's happened cool. next. I, <laughs> well, so. Both of those things are very exciting. Yeah. I think the New York Times article, a lot of people at Canisius know about it. It's been shared a lot. A lot of people have been talking yeah. about it. Like a lot of people have come up to me and said, Did like do you see Dan's article? And I'm like, Yeah, I've <laughs> really? shared it. Like, yeah, people are I like, didn't know that. I don't really know. Just like the my connection with the Griffin mm -hmm. and stuff, but like I've heard lots of people talking about it. Uh one th thank you. That's <laughs> great. Um one uh coworker that I ha didn't, you know, didn't previously know, I was in the parking lot going out to my car and I heard, Are you Dan Higgins? And I said, Yes and it was someone I work with uh, who said, hey, I read your article in the New York Times. And I was thinking to myself, can you say that again? <laughs> 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 so it's, it's been really nice. It's called um, Coffee with the Man Who Used to Be My Wife, right? Is that, that is the... correct. Coffee with the Man Who Used to Be My Wife. Nice. That's, that's a provocative headline. Yeah, definitely, yeah, yeah. It definitely catches people's attention. Yeah. <laughs> I remember reading like your rough draft, though, in narrative journalism, yes. you showed it to us. And that personally helped me a lot because I know we had to write personal essays for, for that class. And I remember first getting that assignment and just being so stressed out about it because, you know, I don't like writing about myself mm -hmm. personally. I don't. Mm -hmm. That's, you know, I like writing about other people and getting, you know, being the voice for other people's opinions. So I remember reading your draft really kind of helped me 
like sculpt mine, I guess. Like figure out what a, what the outlines of yours might right. look like. Exactly. Like exactly. as a template. Yeah, that thanks. That's why I did that for my narrative journalism class last spring. Um, I showed everybody the 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 draft of the piece that we're talking about, which was huge. It was really long. And I was I'm always very uh, I never want to inflict myself on you guys like too much because you know like uh, one time, I actually didn't take this class, but one time back at Potsdam, one of my, uh, one of the professors there, I mean, it's such a small world. God, I would hate if this got back to him, but I'm, so I'm not going <laughs> to say any names, but he wrote a novel and he taught a class on the novel and he made everybody buy a copy mm-hmm. of the novel. And I don't think they really, no one really liked the novel, yeah. but then you had to discuss it in class with him, the author. And That's rough. It, it was rough. It was rough all around. And so I always think about that. I never wanted to do that with you guys. So I was I, I think I was hyper aware of like saying, I'm not trying to show you this because I want you to think I'm the best writer in the world. Um, and uh, but I want you to see like what this process is, because it's because. I, so I showed you several drafts over the course of the semester and how it changed. And, and then it finally really, really changed. Um, and I cut it down like 80%. But the, the, the piece is about, um, so uh, I got married for the first time at the age of 27. Uh, and uh, she and I were together. We met in college. And we were together a total of about 13 years, married for about seven years. And um, we broke up. I got remarried. Um, and um, just like three years ago, this former spouse of mine contacted me uh, to tell me that he has transitioned and he is trans and is living as a man. And I wrote about that experience of like what that felt like. And the the answer, the, the quick version of it did not feel good. And I was surprised. I was surprised that I had these feelings. Um, and I wrote this piece to try to investigate why that is, because I know it has nothing to do with me. It's none of my business. Uh, I was really glad he thought enough of me to tell me this rather than me finding it out on social media or something. Um, but still, it felt like someone had died, which, you know, is feels disrespectful to say. But I, I didn't, you know, and I, I was just trying to understand that, you know, like when, when you have feelings, when these emotions come to you, you can't help it. Like, I, I can't help it that it felt like yeah. grief. So what I was trying to explain in the piece was that that's how I felt, and I didn't like that about my reaction, and I wrote this piece to try to figure out why. So my ex and I um, met, and we talked about it uh, over coffee, and things kind of, you know, got better from there. Um, but I, but that's what the piece is about. I think um, a lot of people can relate to that feeling when someone close to you transitions like that. Like, I remember reading about it when Caitlyn Jenner transitioned, and her family kind of mourned the loss of their the the person that Caitlyn Jenner used to be. Right. And I think that that's a real thing. Right. Right. So. And and I was honestly I was terrified um uh, for uh for the month before it came out when the real editing happened. Um I was terrified basically that you know because it's the New York Times someone would share this on Twitter and I would become like the Twitter bad guy for the day and that um the the reaction would be here is this you know cis white hetero guy writing about some trans issue like that's just you know we do not need this in the world like we don't need my voice we need 
more of my voice. We need trans people speaking about trans issues. So what I was very careful to do, and my editor at the New York Times, can I say that again? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Just a, take a positive. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Uh, she was awesome, absolutely incredible about this, um, was to make sure that this was not an essay about trans issues to which I know very little or nothing. It is not my experience. But rather to make the essay 100% about my own experience on the other side of this, the mirror of the mirror of this issue. My ex has a story to tell, and if he ever wants to tell it, then you know, obviously, you know, I, I hope he does someday. Um, and you know, to what extent I might, you know, be a bit player in that story? Maybe zero. Maybe more than I know. I don't know. It's not my story. Um, but what I was able to do was tell my story and I think that's why it connected with people yeah I think it was it was very exciting and cool that like our, our journalism professor our advisor gets us to say that he uh has a piece in the New York Times so thanks it's very exciting thanks hopefully sure it's not the, thanks yeah. hopefully it's not the last one so yeah. but um one of the things I like to do is um I like to involve my students in this stuff so like when I'm working on this piece with the New Yorker I mean, I'll be honest with you. I have no idea if this is going to this piece that I wrote for the New Yorker is going to run next week, next month, six months. If they'll say, "Oh, never mind," I, I don't. <laughs> I honestly don't know because I've never written for them before. Um, but I um, so for my journalism 490 class, I put a copy of the rough draft up on D2L for them to read, and I also put up a copy of. Uh, I have a friend who is a professional editor. And I sent it to her before I sent it to The New Yorker. So I put up a copy that she edited, and she's a professional book editor. And so, like, you know, she would highlight something and be like, this doesn't work. I really like this. Here's why this doesn't work. Because I want my students to be able to see, like, okay, here's kind of how this functions in, in the real world. That's cool. Do you think that your um, past as, like, or past and present as a professional journalist and then as a, like, college student and a professor like those three roles that you've had at one point or another like helps you be um a college professor with students like and yeah. interact with students oh absolutely um so for most of my college career i was uh, i was a c student who was just getting by uh from, from undergrad um and once i got to that point where i dropped out of school I <clears throat> I worked at the sorry I worked at the radio station. Uh, like I told you, uh, that was so terrible that I wound up working in, instead. Like I got some crazy job working at a border crossing to Canada. Um, you know, like processing paperwork. Uh, and uh, then I uh, worked at the uh, the co-op, the food co-op in Potsdam, and I was like the cashier guy, and I mopped the floor and stuff. That was that was better than the radio job that I after a while. So then I went back to school for two years and I worked full time and I went back to school full time. And I had finally basically it took me to about the age of 20 to grow up and be able and do this the right way. So like for my last four semesters of college, I think I had a 4.0 average, but I still finished my undergrad with it was bad. It was like a 2.89 GPA because I remember I just missed 2.9 because I thought two. 
I wanted a 3.0. 2.9 would have been okay, but I just missed 2.9, and I was really, really ticked about that. And that's because – so here's why that's important is that I feel like I can relate to student experiences because I've had a lot of similar ones. Um, you know, I know what it's like to have a full-time job uh, and, um, you know, also – have to go to school full time. I know what it's like to be, you know, totally lost in what you're doing and, you know, feeling unsure about the future. You know, I know what it's like to have like weird family stuff going on while you're trying to go to college somewhere else. Um, I, I feel like a lot of my colleagues also understand that too. Um, but when I finally started teaching, I feel like I, you know, full time, I feel like I've had a lot of experiences outside the classroom that I could bring back that helps me relate to students. Um, also, you know, for a college professor, I'm on the old side of young, right? So like I, <laughs> there I like are, that phrase. yeah, so there are college professors, who, uh, many who are, are younger than me, um, but there are many who are a lot older too. Um, so I think my age, I'm 44. Uh, so, you know, like just old enough to be your dad. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> Uh, so, um, I think that helps too. um, uh, you know, helps me r relate a little better. Um, and I, people seem to respond and appreciate that. Yeah. 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 So maybe as like to connect that to like our podcast and stuff, what advice would you give to college students in general? Um, I mean, you probably give students advice all the time in all your classes, I would, I would think. And I would try. I try. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know, there's a, there's a couple of things I would say to people. Um, so here's some advice from my wife who, uh, hi, Johanna, uh, who is a, uh, that was a shout out, yeah, <laughs> uh, who uh, herself is a straight A, you know, eight semesters of 4.0 GPA. Um, and this, this was actually she has said this uh, not in like a like a you know not in a like a real lamenting way but like you know she was like looking at you know her career and my career and 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 she said she said you know I maybe should have gone to more parties you know mm -hmm. she said never in my life and you know my wife is a very accomplished person she has a master's degree um, she is a, a consultant for nonprofits and she's very sought after in her field. And she said, never in my life has anyone asked me what my final GPA was at college. And she's mm -hmm. like, maybe on my application for grad school was the last time it, it mattered. Um, and so I think the advice that I would give you about, like, life is, you know, put things, you know, get good grades, but put it in perspective as well. Keep 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 perspective on things that that college is a very brief part of your life um and in that you know it's important to do well and to do your best so i'm not saying blow it off but i'm not saying but i am saying that like if you're the goalie and you're standing in the net and you know and a couple of shots get by you and a couple of pucks wind up in the net and it, and it ruins your perfect shutout like don't don't lose your mind over it you, you know what i mean yeah you know yep. So 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 lighten up is what I'm telling you. And go to more parties. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, no. Light, lighten up. Sounds uh, good to me. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Where are we going after this? Uh, 
Uh, actually, I'm going to my mom's for spaghetti. Oh, nice. Uh, nice. Yeah. Sounds good. Hi, mom. <laughs> that was another shout out. Uh, so, um, um, yeah. So I would say try not to, you know, be um, be as good as you can, um, but just uh, not at the expense of your own mental health, I would say. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, that's well said. I agree. Thank Thanks. you. That's something we've talked about a lot yeah, on this podcast. Yeah, <laughs> really, is it? Yeah, yeah, we had a whole episode like, dedicated to that. Yeah. Like mental health uh, and stress and stuff. Yep. It was good. Yeah, just, just. So shout out that episode if you haven't. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. How are you guys doing? How's it? How 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 is your mental health? How's it going? Pretty good. Um, we need another episode on. Yeah, seriously. Health? Yeah, <laughs> part two. Uh, I'm pretty good. I mean. The, this seasonal depression, I think, is a very real thing. Yeah. Uh, especially these January, February, maybe at least two fair months out of the entire year. Mm-hmm. So if I get through those, I'm usually pretty good. So I'm I'm doing I'm doing pretty well so far. I'm doing pretty well. How about you two? Uh, school's been busy. Yeah. But I'm doing okay. All right. I'm doing okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm pretty good. Yeah. Like I feel like last semester was much tougher on me i think in our episode last semester about it i was like not in the best place yeah. but i'm definitely much better now Good. yeah honestly that episode felt like a therapy session oh, yeah. i feel like i personally yeah, that, yeah. that episode yeah, that like was. our listeners maybe but like me i feel like i just needed yeah, to I talk about it like, i don't know if i should get advice about this <laughs> i was just crying just <laughs> listening to our episode you know i want to say something about seasonal depression um i so last winter was so hard for me yeah. with like the gray skies excuse me that was shout out to tim horton's coffee excuse me <laughs> um i i went on amazon and i bought something called a happy light Have, are you familiar with this no. No. oh yes no. Wait, yes i ha- i am yeah um it's like a like a, i don't know like it's like the size it's the you... size of a mini ipad it's it's yeah. like eight inches like an eight inch screen and it emits this super bright uv light and you put it on your desk. You don't, like, not so it's shining in your eye because it'll, like, literally burn your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> but you put it, like, next to your desk so it's sort of, like, indirectly hitting your eyes for, like, 15 minutes. And I was like, well, I got, you know, fi- I got $15 and 15 minutes to lose, you know. And by God, it helped. Really? Yeah. I'm not kidding. Wow. You come I've, by- I've heard good things about that. You could come by my office and borrow it if you want to. <laughs> If you're feeling, yeah, like you need some, yeah. If you, like, if you're like, if it's the you know gray sky for the seventeenth day in a row, <laughs> yeah. I just like I really need something, and it actually supposedly operates on your brain the same way sunshine does because it has the same, you know, UV and wavelengths. You, just, you felt cool. like you were in a better mood after that. Yes, I really wow. did. Interesting. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Oh wow. But once I left it on for too long, oh god, and I felt like it was weird. It was unpleasant. It felt like I had had like two extra cups of coffee it was mm. yeah a, i think you're only yeah. supposed to like kind of like put it on get what you need and yes turn it off yeah like it's like 15 minutes and then shut yeah, that thing you should off like just like yeah. keep it on you but anyway this is your show i <laughs> euphoric yeah <laughs> no it's interesting though shout out to happy light yeah, yeah. <laughs> sponsored yeah <laughs> all, right. all right anything else is that it I think we're good. Yeah. Thank you for hanging out with us. Thank you. Well, thanks very much for having me. And if you want to uh, major or double major in journalism and add to our tiny empire, (laughs) Abby. uh, Okay. I think I've longer. (laughs) Please. (laughs) Please. No, we we love having you around. Uh, But, uh, no, thank you very much for um, having me, guys. And I'm really glad you're doing the show. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. All right. Everybody, uh, follow us on Twitter at Real Griffcast for more news and updates on not only this podcast, but the rest of our lineup. And Steph, see us home. Bye, guys. <laughs>